For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 706 on CJD 800. Welcome to today's Entrepreneur, presented by FL Fuller Landau, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with FL's Josh Miller. Good evening, Josh. Hello, Dan. And this evening, we're talking construction with Roberto and Luciano Catalonia of Catalonia et Frères. Uh, they'll be along in a few minutes. Absolutely. Uh, an interesting story. They've been around 60 plus years wow. and, you know, it's it's the construction industry, uh, although they're very diversified and, and lots of things they're doing. So very interesting. But of course, construction, uh, we all know what that's like in the city of Montreal. And it's not just about potholes. You know, there's there's commissions here and there and should be interesting. Yes, so uh, they'll join us in just a few minutes. Uh, but first, as usual, we'll chat about some entrepreneurial news uh, happening in the past week. This story is pretty interesting because I actually, when, I, when I'm in Ottawa, I, I love this coffee shop. I think it's on Sparks mm-hmm. uh, called Bridgehead. And uh, they actually um, made the news because uh, they, they made a pretty bold statement. They don't see Starbucks as a threat. They don't see Starbucks. And, you know, it's interesting. The, this morning, you know, on the news was Second Cup. Actually, you know, their their profits were up, even though that, you know, uh, Starbucks is out there. And, and certainly Tim Hortons being the, the two leaders um, on a on a national and uh, certainly North American sale and, and international for Starbucks. Bridgehead, they are basically clinging to the local community. They're saying, you know what? Starbucks, Second Cup. Tim Hortons, whatever you are, you don't connect with the community like we connect with the community. We know the people around. We know the people that walk into the stores. Kind of like Cheers, you know, where Norm walks in. Hey, Norm. Hmm. Uh, I don't know if it's that personal, but that that's really the, the community that they're trying to stick with. And, of course, trying to, uh, as we've said many times before, why should people go into a store? They found the reason why, and they're able to drive those Ottawa, the, the Ottawa citizens, or at least those around them in their neighborhood, in their community, into the store because it's a little more personalized. And they're certainly, they're dealing in fair trade. So they are also making sure that their ingredients are, they're real, they're true, uh, they're, there's, there's no problems with them, there's no potential scandals uh, uh, as much as they can, they can, uh, realize or, or follow up anyways, uh, you know, and, and then trying to help communities in third world countries. So I think they're trying to buy coffee from Rwanda or, or other faraway places where they're, they're trying to, or at least hoping that it's fair trade. And that's what they're doing to drive people into their store. And they say, you know what, Starbucks, you know, come, come after us, but we know our community and, and we're going to be tried and true. And they've been around for quite a number of years. And from what I remember, I was there maybe uh, about a year ago. Uh, very good products, a bit more upscale, uh, a bit fresher. Is that perhaps really the ultimate strategy for com- competing against these giant uh, fast food multinationals? It's not mass produced. It's it, it absolutely has that more homemade feel. And as they get to know the community, they're also expanding in their product line and offering different foods and, and different beverages. I, I even think they're they're doing some micro breweries uh, that they're starting with. So they're, they're really trying to appeal to the various crowds. And when you're open all those hours during the day, well, who wouldn't want a beer at uh, 9 p.m. maybe instead of a coffee? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's uh, it's where the politicians go. It's right near Parliament, too. So. It's right near Parliament, and, and they stay close to their community. Yes, and then very much native caffeine. Um, a new app uh, hoping to get carpooling to catch on in America, and it's uh, it's not Uber. It's not Uber. Blank Ride. 
And I guess the the interesting part of the story isn't isn't so much the app itself. I mean, there there's great apps, you know, and Uber's trying to do the carpooling and and Lyft and all that. But the the interesting part of this story is really its international flair. Uh, this is an, an immigrant that's in Canada that is that is using uh, investments from out from Venezuela and uh, from outside of outside of the country. A Venezuelan is also a partner, and they're using this app in Venezuela as well to try it out. Uh, they really have an international flair to this company because it's it, it's not just Canada. It's not just North America. There's so many other areas in the world that, that have absolute traffic congestion uh, that, that we're not even aware of that, that absolutely needs this type of, of software. So this is, this is a story about teaming up. This is a story about teaming up not only Canada but Venezuela and and wherever else they can they can find their investors. A couple of weeks ago, I was uh, uh, Ubering in Toronto, uh, and I tried Uber Pool mm-hmm. just for the experience. So Uber Pool is, is just that. I mean, there's the one driver, and then he lets in maybe three four people from different parts of the area going in the same general direction. And it's it's really the innovation the of of carpooling. Uh, do do you see this becoming more popular? Just people using their cars and maximizing literally. The, the the time uh, the time their cars are part of their business. Uh, I th- I think so. I I I believe that it's really going to be. There's always going to be a demographic that's going to not mind carpooling. There's always going to be a demographic that will want it a little bit cheaper and maybe that relishes the the conversation with strangers, if you will. Uh, I, I think, but I think if. It, for the average business person, whether it's Toronto, Montreal, I don't know if they're going to want to share the ride. Uh, you know, it's probably an affordability thing here or there. But th- there's no doubt that there. I mean, when we look at uh, Blank Ride, the the article and the the company that we're talking about now, it was really started at University of Toronto, and there the university population was the one that kicked in first and and really got onto this program. But why? Because it's it's university crowd and their dollars are absolutely limited. There's no question. So the car ride, the car sharing, the pooling service uh, is something that's more economical and 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 safe. Mm. Shopify. Uh, interesting uh, story for a couple of reasons. Um, one, uh, it's going into the podcast business. And two, they're actually opening up a store, uh, an office here in Montreal. Uh, they want to have about 150, 200 employees. And uh, this is a, becoming a more and more popular app. They are, uh, they, have, they have grown absolutely tremendously. Shopify is basically, it's a software that any retailer can use to sell their wares, sell their products and what have you. And they have, they have absolutely grown tremendously. There are hundreds of employees uh, there, as you say, Dan, they're, they're opening up in Montreal, but, but more importantly, and what the story is really focusing on is how they're getting their message out, their choice of media to make sure that the people get to know who they are and what they do. Podcasts. Uh, Dan, you are most familiar with it, I'm sure, through Provocateur, uh, how people, you know, they, they, they don't necessarily want to read anymore. They want to listen. They want to hear, I mean, videos, little short clip videos. There, There's no doubt that, that that is absolutely where we are today. And podcasts for sure, because listen to it in the car, listen to it where you don't have to read it. You can kind of have it in the in the background, but it can still drone in or drill in the message that you want it to, to get. Yeah. Very convenient too, and I'm seeing a lot more demand from from clients because it's easily consumable. You can take it wherever you go. Not like a video that you have to sit there and watch. You can take it while you're running and while you're while you're working. And uh, it's one of those. Uh, I mean, it's 
cliche, really, but content is king, right? And podcast is a very easily consumable form of content. And easy to, fairly easy to create. I mean, they're they're not 10, 20 minutes long all the time. They're, they're, they're usually pretty short or often they're pretty short. So it's it's usually pretty easy to create. All right. Um, I can't believe Etch-A-Sketch still exists. You know, Dan, this is, in the last few weeks, we've had the resurgence of bubblegum machines. We've seen, uh, you know, there, there's Rubik's Cube that's always out there. We've seen vinyl records that we've been talking about making a resurgence. Etch-A-Sketch, it's, it's almost like the, the classic toys or the cla- is, is absolutely hitting a new stride in the market. And there's always, you know, even though technology is, is, is superseding everything else, you're always going to have these classic items that will always be able to sell. Uh, so, you know, don't always throw away your, your old items, your, uh, you know, that old Rubik's Cube or that old Rock'em Sock'em match. You, know, you never know when, uh, when it's going to come back into flavor. And they've sold, uh, the company that makes Etch-A-Sketch sold uh, to a Toronto toy firm. It did. Well, this Toronto toy firm, I guess, apparently has big plans for, for uh, they didn't really talk about it too much. The the uh, the deal wasn't really disclosed very much, but there's no doubt that, that there is somebody that's going to cling to this classic, classic, classic tool and toy that, uh, that I, I think I might still have one downstairs in the basement somewhere. I never had one that worked. <laughs> oh, you just couldn't draw well on the Etch-A-Sketch. Possibly. You need a Toy Story for that inspiration. I, I may have gotten some water in there, too, somehow. Uh, so, coming up next, we'll talk some construction with Roberto and Luciano Catalonia of Catalonia et Frère t- tonight on Today's Entrepreneur. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 718 on today's Entrepreneur, inspiring stories from outstanding business people. Dan Delmar and FL Fuller Landau's Josh Miller with you. And this evening we're talking construction with Roberto and Luciano Catalonia of Catalonia Efer. And uh, guys, welcome to CJD. Thank you. Thank you. So first question real easy. Tell me about Catalonia Efer, uh, how long you've been in business and what is it uh, that you guys do? Catalonia has been founded since 1957. It's a family business. Um, they began their business uh, doing transport and they expanded into different sectors which is uh, building bridges, road work, uh, operating a sand quarry, uh, doing snow removal, municipal snow removal, and so on. Now, you guys, uh, you guys are brothers, right? That's correct. Excellent. Uh, the family resemblance is uncanny. Well, it's a different so, mother, but same. That's, that's okay. Uh, but you haven't, I mean, the, the, as you said, the company's been around decades and decades. You didn't start right at the beginning. So what was it? Was it your your, your parents, your uncle? Like, who, who was it that began? And then when did you guys get into the picture? Yeah. The original founders were three brothers. Uh, my father, Umberto, my uncle, Paulino, and my other deceased uncle, Attilio. Uh, they were the pioneers of this company, the founders of the company. And um, we, in 1991, our uh, control of ownership was transferred over to the new generation where we're six cousins, uh, which is my cousin Livio, my cousin Tony, uh, uh, Rico, and Vito, and myself and Luciano. You you Um, got them all named. They're all happy now. Yeah, well, they're all happy now. (laughs) We had to uh, do that. I mean, partnership is, we've been together for the last 20 years, and it's working very well. And that's our success at... uh, we go through the tough times and good times, and Together. we get along, and that's really great. Now, when you took over from the previous generation, was it a smooth transition? Did you have was it a very different mindset or management style? Um, no, it was easy. Uh, four of the six uh, partners were already in the business in the past, so they had great experience. 
my brother and myself, we moved into the company after our own respective professions. And um, so to putting the whole group together, we just continued the company model of, of what was what were the Already original founders were doing. We just kept on doing what they were doing and it just expanded to different areas and different sectors. Now, you, it was it was the, the three before and it's the six now. Yep. Are, is there a lot of overlap in roles? Do you guys have really different, different uh, I guess, responsibilities? Yeah, we do. We, we each have our own responsibilities and I guess that's part of the success why we get along so well. Uh, we all take care of different divisions and different responsibilities. We do meet, we congregate, we meet... Uh, uh, weekly and and discuss each other's uh, departments and issues and and make decisions together, but uh, we don't really. Uh... What happens when you disagree? Well, what we do is uh, when we disagree, we argue. And being <laughs> you times, yell a few things. And being times, times we like to yell at each other, <laughs> and then we come to agree on what we disagree, and then we set up a meeting to uh, have a great glass, a great glass of wine, a great play the pasta and then we move on to the next uh, issue we get along bottom line is we do always agree to to whatever issue has been discussed and which we disagreed and come to an agreement do you feel that you know after a certain time i mean you guys are informal your family you've known each other forever is there do you feel that there's a requirement at some point to have some formality to any of these meetings or discussions uh you know whether it's whether it's just the six of you whether you invite outsiders in or is it really it just works for you to be that informal and kind of doing things on the fly i think i think if the meetings are truly within the six partners it could be a little bit more informal but when we have other uh part employees or professionals in, in our meetings you do have to set some kind of precedence and make it a little bit more professionals and follow certain agendas we and do, protocols but we do also have an agenda so when we do have our meetings we do follow a protocol of what uh, areas needs to be tackled and and follow through um, on any outstanding issues from the previous meeting so there's a lot of accountability with, within ourselves yeah. and i think that's the success that we do um follow through and we're serious and we're passionate what we do and and, and like i said we get along Today's Entrepreneur on CJD with Roberto and Luciano Catalonia of Catalonia Efrer. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 7.24 on today's Entrepreneur. We're joined by Roberto and Luciano Catalonia of Catalonia Efrer. They do construction, snow removal, and more. Um, guys, how has the industry changed over, over the past few years? Uh, we see, of course... Um, you know, uh, issues uh, federally now with more deficits, perhaps a, a reinvestment into infrastructure. Do you think that that might cause a bit of a boom in the construction business? Absolutely. Um, I mean, with the money where the government's promising uh, to put back into our infrastructure, as you see, you could be driving on the 2 and 20 or the 40. The roads are in such poor shape. Um, so there is going to be a lot of work in our industry in the next five years and uh, we just need to now uh, be able to deliver and and continue you know, uh, executing our work. Over the last 20 years, there's no doubt, I mean, there's been material changes, there's certainly a technology and software. Uh, Luciano, I think you're more on that, that side of it. Maybe you can kind of describe a little bit those major changes and, and how what you guys did to kind of overcome or stay with well, the times. for sure. I mean, from 20 years ago till, till today, there's, like you said, technology, softwares, uh, uh, to be more efficient, more um, uh, precise. We use uh, estimating softwares, uh, 
to, which which makes you more productive and 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 efficient out there. Uh, but there's there's been a lot of change in and materials. Like I mean, are you still using the same materials today as back then, or or have, have there been a lot more refinement? Uh, you know, certainly technology. You know, steel might be a little lighter or what have you. So what what kind of well, has it depends. pushed I mean, you in 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 the uh, m- civil works? Materials are raw materials are pretty much the same. Uh, same materials from the last 20 years if we're talking building materials when we're doing buildings or or things for there's been a lot of changes on uh on on building envelopes uh being more efficient uh there's a lot of changes and when we have a, a division that does manufacturing but we'll get into it maybe a little later mm-hmm. and and uh there, there's uh, been a lot of changes in that now there's no question the i don't know where are your materials you buy it from all over the world where do you focus your purchases in locally more locally? Locally. Yeah. So if you find price pressures and increases, uh, whether it's the U.S. dollar because there's something coming in from overseas or anything, do you ever, do you ever see anything? Like, has there been a lot of price pressures over the years you, that you've seen? There's no effect on the raw material. The only effect fuel. that we have is would be, well, fuel is always an one. issue mm-hmm. uh, where we have no control. And when you're doing any acquisitions of uh, machinery where everything is in U.S. dollars, so... Um, you know, you are getting so high. If It'll you have, have a budget and you need to buy some equipment, well, the pricing has gone up at least 15 to 20% compared to the last year. So that's 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 an impact into your your budget for the upcoming year. Now, from a financing aspect, I mean, you got to sometimes plan a little bit further ahead uh, and and take these things into consideration. Do you, you know, do you plan, do you work with your banks? Do you really kind of do everything on your own? What's been your experience? Listen, we, we, folk, we forecast at least two to three years. So we look at our fleet and then we'll assess, the, you know, the years and number of hours, depending on the type of machinery. And we'll need to, we'll look at it and say, okay, we need to replace this equipment in next year or the following year because we've reached the life expectancy of the equipment. So, yeah, there's a lot of pre-planning and forecasting. So uh, we do t- do take advantage of the market um, in our consideration of our planning. Do you uh, do you use do you find the banks are helpful? Banks, yes, they're helpful. I mean, yes, they are, and also the companies uh, who are sellers for the heavy machinery have their own financing. financial financing, uh, financing uh, branch. So you know, they need to sell their equipment. So. They're very helpful also at the same time. So we use a combination of both banks and the seller's financing uh, branch. Do you find that over the years, you know, because you guys have been doing this, I mean, the company's been around for 60-some-odd years, you guys maybe a little bit less. Do you find that that uh, the, whether that's financing, whether these companies or the banks have, you know, kind of gone in and out of favor in your industry? And do you sometimes have to push harder to explain your projects or not? Absolutely. I mean, it all comes down to... The comfort zone uh, when they feel comfortable and, and if there's any concern you need to justify you need to be transparent uh, that's the key thing and, and and they need to be partners in the good times and hopefully in the bad times they're there um, to, to be as alongside you and uh, go through it so sometimes you feel you have to put together a kind of a mini business plan for certain projects that you have to go through absolutely yes do you take the time like do you, are you proactive at that point with them we are. We have no choice. 
And do they, do, I guess, I guess when you're, and we're talking about diversification, I know when we come back after the break, it'll be a lot more about what you guys, cause it's not just construction. It's not just homes. You, you certainly got into a lot of other areas over the years. Right. And, and I think that, uh, that that probably also helps when you're looking at projects and, and looking at outside and, and how one kind of plays off the other at times. Uh, I think that diversi- diversification part that you've kind of succeeded to to continue in the second generation is super interesting when we come back uh we'll we'll look more on that roberto and luciano catalonia of catalonia et frere our profile this evening on today's entrepreneur For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 7.35 on today's Entrepreneur, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with FL Fuller Landau's Josh Miller. And uh, Josh, our guests this evening, Roberto and Luciano Catalonia of Catalonia et Frères, a long-standing construction business here in Montreal, uh, weathered several storms over the decades. And um, guys, what, what do you what do you attribute to uh, to your longevity? Is it is it mainly sort of the name, your legacy, word of mouth, or do you actively uh, try to develop new businesses, new new ideas, or or even perhaps uh, actively market? Um, we we pride. In our name, I've uh, been around since 1957. That's very important for us to uh, maintain our name, uh, our credibility, uh, our um, our uh, commitment uh, to, to, to the community and to our industry. Um, so that's very important to us. Uh, at the same time, you know, uh, going through our own challenges in our own industry, uh, we've been diversifying since 19... No, sorry, since 2001, where we've... Uh, pioneered being first in Quebec into a uh, new venture of a sports center, which is a soccerplex Catalonia on, in for, on First Avenue in Lachine. And we've been operating that since the last 14 years. And there's a lot more competitions today, but we were one of the first two to initiate this type of venture and we're very proud of it. Um, and we're, what was what was the catalyst? Like, why did you decide to kind of start something that was different from your, your main core mainstream business? First of all, main core is it was always a construction related because we built our own sports center. Mm-hmm. So Luciano's expertise, we were fortunate to have his expertise as part of the group. And then we had other partners who and ourselves, we were involved in sports. And we realized that there was a big, great demand in the soccer world where there was no indoor sports center where you know, we're indoors for eight months out of the year. And so we seized that opportunity and we put up business plan together and with the business plan and with our expertise in the construction uh, we made that a a reality reality. and we did that within what 16 weeks of of, you know putting it all together designing it and building it and uh, putting into practice so we're really proud of that as a group and uh, we really enjoy the the whole soccer world it's a popular place I've played there before terribly but still it's always packed it's multifunctional. At the end of the day, we do, we do have the Alouettes who train there. Uh, we have, you know, uh, flag football, great clients like Robert Campana. Uh, we have the Q- QSL, uh, big, you know, industrial mm-hmm. league. And so our f- clients have been very loyal to us. And like, we've been very loyal to our clients since day one. And that's, I think, has been our success. 
So now that you have that you have this notion of diversification and doing something else, uh, have there been other things like what's what are you doing today or what's next uh, on that diversification side? Sure. We uh, we also started a, a manufacturing company in for the construction industry. Uh, we we manufacture prefabricated um, uh, buildings, both residential, commercial, or industrial, uh, with uh, lightweight steel framing. It's a, it's a newer technology. It's 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 a competitor to to um, wood traditional wood construction. It's just. Uh, a little bit better material, uh, more efficient, uh, non-combustible. Yeah, it doesn't uh, burn. <laughs> doesn't burn, uh, and it's just as competitive. We've we've brought the technology down to to the point where it's just as price competitive as as wood construction. Um, so much so we we we're also doing uh, a project of our own in in LaSalle, Beau Bois. It's a, it's a 106 townhouse uh, row housing project with that technology. Um, uh, people that are, are buying are loving it. Uh, it it's different. It's, Quebec is a little bit behind in, in avant-garde uh, uh, mm-hmm. for that technology. Technologies, and, and uh, we're we're, going we're very excited for for that new the two new ventures, which are always construction related to our core business. Um, so, like Luciano's saying, it's, it, there's a lot of potential, and there's a lot of passion behind it, and and it's it's the growth uh, for the next uh, ten years on. Um, and our company, he's referring to the prefab, uh, is uh, called Struckcan or Sip Canada. So just to mention it too. All good. So now we, you know we talk a lot on this show about innovation and having you know companies and entrepreneurs that are trying to innovate and do something different and diversify. And in, and of course you know where do they get the ideas from? So when you're when you guys are around the table, you're the six partners or, or whomever uh, are. Is that where you're brainstorming ideas or or using some of your team below you? Uh, where does it? Where do these innovation thoughts come from? You're always you're always trying to come up with better, more innovative products. Your your, your mind's always it's twenty four seven. Morning, noon, and night. It's right. It's so it could be at a round table with partners, friends. And, and even and staff. Just, staff, staff have great input sometimes where they come up with great ideas. And, and we do, like Luciano said, we get ourselves around a round table and we uh, brainstorm. And, and, and if there's an opportunity, we do our due diligence, our homework, and we proceed. And being part of our core, it, we're just extending ourselves and planting seeds in different areas. And, and there's no doubt. I mean, you mentioned it's 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 teamwork and it's, as you mentioned, the staff. So there's a whole group that, that is on the job every day. Uh, uh, working day in day out and and giving for the company. So and I know you guys are are in a unionized environment. But how do you? What's your style in treating your team members, your staff? Uh, is it is it different because it's unionized? Like what is your philosophy? Respect. You treat all employees, whether unionized or not, uh, partners or not, is respect and 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 treating everybody equal and explaining to them what your needs, what their rules are, uh, defining the task. And if there's any differences, you sit around a round table and you discuss it and you come to an agreement and you move on. But it's the base. It's just respect and being humble and not believing you're above all. So do you, you find that, I mean, you've, you've, I guess, minimized the butting of heads between uh, the union and yourselves just by keeping open communication lines? Absolutely. It's teamwork. And any success, any success in any company, if your staff is not behind you, you're not going to go anywhere. You're so bound to fail. You're bound to fail. So at the end of the day, it's just staff. 
is very important. What about your relationship with, with unions? I mean, uh, do you get stuff built in Quebec without union labor, or do you always have to sort of, is it a better idea to go with the, no, that, that's, you, that workforce? You have to. All, all public works and everything, you, all our labors are unionized. Yeah. There is no What sector. about when you're building a private, like a private residence? Still. Right? Still unionized. It's all it's all unionized. unionized. The only non-unionized would be your your truck drivers. They're non-unionized, hmm. and my staff at the uh, sports center. That's a non-unionized. Uh, or your administration in your office. Administration, but uh, we 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 would buy to the rules. I mean, there's rules and regulations. You follow them, and it's all well defined. And you just play the game. So there's so much competition out there, certainly in your field. How do you try and stay above and beyond? Like, what do you do that's that's maybe a little bit different? Uh, or what's worked for you over the years in keeping the Catalonia and Frère name out there and, and with that that positive reputation? First of all, I try and hire the best at every position. It gives you that competitive edge and, and execution becomes more efficient. Uh, uh, they just perform better. So it, it helps when you're bidding on, on new jobs, knowing that you got a good team behind you and you got to truly believe in them. Uh, and, and hire the best you can. I mean, and main thing is outbidding your competition. I mean, it is very competitive, even mm-hmm. with a lot of changes in the market. But that's what it is. Uh, we try to reinvent ourselves and find different ways to to outbid our, our competition. Are you using Are you using today's technology? Are you online a little bit more than you used to be, or or, or do you think that that's maybe where an, an alley or an avenue that you should consider in the future? When you're saying online... Like on social media, you know, a website, you know, how much does that really for, in fa- for, impact for your business? For our development projects, like our Bobo project, for sure. It's it's the new way of doing sales and, and marketing. It's 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 changed within the last 10, 15 years. Our, our municipal side, our Catalonia, our, our obviously not, because it's more municipal and governmental contracts. It's, it's conventional. No, you're limited on what, uh, what right. you can do it's there, for sure. It's public tendering, so it's all... Uh, li- but our, our, our manufacturing company and our development company, 100%. The, there's new ways of, of marketing online is a big factor. Roberto Luciano, Catalonia of Catalonia et Frères with us uh, this evening. We'll have their one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur on the way. Also, tax partner at FL, Ernie Furt, on real estate, renting, buying, and some uh, potential tax advantages there. That's on the way. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 7.49 on today's Entrepreneur, inspiring stories from outstanding business people. Dan Delmar and FL Fuller Landau's Josh Miller with you. Roberto and Luciano Catalonia with us of Catalonia et Frères. We'll have their one piece of advice for today's Entrepreneur on the way. But first, Ernie Furt is with us, tax partner at FL. Welcome back, Ernie. Thank you. How's and this evening we're uh, chatting a bit about, uh, well, real estate and uh, and how to take advantage of uh, some tax savings. And not, not only that, but uh, how to comply. Because as we all know, the government loves forms and they love, although the reality is they really just want everybody to report uh, so they can get their fair share of uh, of their tax dollars. So Ernie, what's what's the latest? What, uh, what, uh, what has the government come up with lately that people really got to be aware of? If you're in the construction business, and you engage subcontractors to perform work for you, you have to ensure that you have compliance certificates with the government. This thing comes into play next week, March 1st. So what these certificates do is they say that the company that you're engaging is A, RBQ registered, and B, it's in compliance with all its tax obligations, including payroll, uh, GST, QST, uh, and income tax. Now, is this for 
any and all size contracts? Is it for, it's only in the construction business? Like, it's what are some of the criteria? It's in, it's in the construction business. Let's let's call it commercial construction for, for argument's sake. Uh, if you're going to go ahead and engage a company to renovate your home or your kitchen or something like that, you don't have to go get a compliance certificate. But on the other hand, if you own an apartment building and you decide to do a renovation on the apartment building, whether you change all the windows or whatever, we're still unsure as to whether you need it or not. So what I would say is in the, in the event where you're unsure, uh, ask the subcontractor for a certificate. If it's a if it's a business and you are engaging in some business that you have this rental revenue or what have you, then chances are the form is going to be required. It's going to be required. It may be required, and it's better safe. Sorry, and it's a simple thing because these people who are who are RBQ registered will know about this situation. Will have this form. We'll give, we'll give it to you. You can check the validation of the form on the MRQ website, just like you check right now a, a QST number to see if the QST number is valid. And you can go and look. And you do it for every three months, but the contracts have to be over $25,000. Ah, so there is a minimum threshold. It's not for uh, every uh, couple of grand here or there. No. At, at least they do that. So it's $25,000 there. And this thing applies equally in placement agencies. If you need temporary help, and again, it's also a $25,000 threshold. Now, is this kind of in line or does it follow, uh, you know, we, we know that, that individuals or businesses have to file the, this form, this Quebec form, where they have to outline the labor that they're using on some, like the TP maybe- 1086 form. Right. So maybe you can elaborate on that because that, that's been in existence for a number of years. That's been in existence for many, many years. And it's probably one of the areas that people comply the least with. Uh, they haven't. And hopefully, no one from Revenue Quebec is listening. Enforced it uh, over the years, but theoretically, if you uh, do repairs and maintenance to uh, to a rental property, you have to provide a copy of this form that indicates the guy's GST number, QST number, uh, name, address, etc., and how much you paid him. And and listen, this is this is all so that of course Revenue Quebec, they all want their dollars. They want to make sure that people are reporting. So we we understand it, but of course the compliance is is absolutely huge. I know there's also you know Ernie, when we come back from the break, we'll probably talk a little bit about change of use. You know, there's a lot of people that have their their homes, their duplexes, they live in it, they they renovate it, they want some rental income. Certainly, they want to add dollars to their pocket. I know there's some challenges and rules that come that come into play. So when we come back from the break, we'll chat about that quickly. Plus, Roberto and Luciano's one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur that's next. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Roberto and Luciano Catalonia's one piece of advice for today's entrepreneurs on the way. But first, Ernie Furt, tax partner at FL, uh, talking about uh, real estate, Josh. And there's a lot of people in Montreal that have kind of changed. They, you know, they own duplexes. Uh, they've lived in part of it. They lived in all of it. They want to switch. They want to renovate. They want to get some rental income out of it. But there are certain, you can't just do that and ignore all the reporting. There are some, when you change the use of your property from using it personally to a rental property, there's definitely some reporting that comes with it. Ernie, can you elaborate a little bit? The change, the, the change of use from, from, from personal use to, to, to rental is not a problem. You know, and, and you, you just make the change. You do what you have to do. You, say, you, you, you get your leases out there. You just have to watch other types of change of use when you, when you stop using your house personally a little bit 
and then you you want to leave Canada or you're going to do something else with the house. Sometimes you can, you have to wait before you claim certain deductions like depreciation because you're going to blow your principal residence exemption away. You know, if you have a principal residence exemption basically on your main floor, let's call it a duplex, the upper floor can't be your principal residence unless it's one civic address. I've seen people try to change things and that is quite difficult because you have to deal with municipalities and you're, you're going to be changing your entire house. And at that point in time, yeah, you may have a, a disposition. So even if you're living in the entire duplex, but it's still, still two civic addresses, you might have a big problem still. You have a problem and, and, it, and it depends what you've done to it on the inside. Uh, and hopefully if you've done anything on the inside that changes it from from a one uh, from a two unit place to a one unit place, you've got the proper permits and stuff in order to, to, to make that renovation. Now, when you're going back, you've, you've rented out something, it's been part of your rental income, but now you want to use it personally. What happens? Are you, what, what do you got to do? What do you got to tell the government? What what piper do you have to pay? Well, there's, there, there's the change of use. It's a deemed disposition that could cost you. Okay? The, you know, that's what you have to be careful on. You know, so you, 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 may, you, you make that sale, you're, you're selling it to yourself, and you're you're changing it from from a uh, revenue producing property to a personal property, so you just have to take a look at what you're doing, and, and consult with people and make sure you're doing it right. And and you know you're incurring expenses. Residential, you know, when you're talking residential, you're not a GST registrant, so you're not going to recover the expenses. A lot of people, what they do today is they go out, they buy, a, uh, they buy a, a property just for purposes of buy, renovate, sell. So buy, renovate, sell. They're not necessarily builders per se. They're not doing what's called a substantial renovation where they're effectively gutting the property to its four bare walls and then rebuilding it because at that point in time, it is new construction and it is a new construction for GST, QST purposes. So that's one thing you got to be careful of. And then these guys do, you know, buy, renovate, sell, and they keep doing two or three a year, and they claim capital gains treatment on their tax returns on that. So that's a problem too, potentially, because eventually it's a business. It's a lot, lots to know. There's, there's no doubt about it. But we'll cut you off there as, uh, as we turn to Roberto and Luciano uh, and ask them, guys, what would be your one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur, Luciano? I guess to surround yourself with the best people you can to, to strive for success. Uh, Unity is a force, you know, surround yourself with the best you can. Thank you. Roberto? Have fun and have passion, whatever you do. Excellent. Dan, you know, uh, we, we, we've heard a lot of the, a lot about the story, but it's a lot, of course, we haven't heard because there's so much to tell in your 60-plus years that you've been in business. But I think the, the one highlight uh, that I'll address, and, and we've seen it a lot with entrepreneurs, is that diversification, that, you know, they, they, they're in construction for a long time, but you know what? It wasn't either it wasn't enough or they needed to find more. It was better for the business as an overall to find more. It was a better challenge. And as an entrepreneur, you keep wanting to do that. So kudos to them. And thanks, guys, for being part of the show. Thanks Great story. Thank Roberto Luciano Catalonia of Catalonia et Frères. Thanks, guys, for stopping by. Thanks to Ernie Furt, tax partner at FL. And back next Monday night at 7 p.m. here on Newstalk Radio CJAD 800. The Exchange, hosted by Dan Spector, is up next.
For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com.